0: life so welcome everyone to the aging fearlessly podcast again today and I'm fortunate to have Eve Levine who is a professional photographer with a social education background in the studio with me today and she is passionately interested in story and what makes each of us tick. Welcome Eve, thank you for sharing your valuable time with the Aging Fearlessly audience today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, it's lovely to be here.
0: (laughs) It's actually really great to hear about these passionate journeys people go on and I would say this sweet 16 that we're going to talk about today has been a project of passion and You are a professional photographer. So tell us more about, before Sweet 16, a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so um, I come from the UK um, and I used to work in youth and community work. And then um, I decided at some stage, probably a couple of years into being here, that I wanted to take up the reins of becoming a professional photographer. And so I went and studied again. (laughs) And that's kind of like the starting point. I was a mature age student and I just really wanted to do photography and move out of the um, education. Well, it wasn't really that I wanted to move out of it. I still love all the education side of the world and things. I just, I wanted to meld them, as you can see with the work. I actually wanted to meld those two stories together of my life. Yeah, so you were living in the UK until 1997 is that correct i was born and grew up in the uk yes so i come from there um and i came here to visit my brother and And stay well i went home and then i came back and applied for
0: residency it was just just so good
1: that's right (laughs) warmer Oh, a
0: warm-up when you were in Australia you actually mm-hmm. began studying photography is that correct once you came back yeah. I yeah.
1: did yes I went to I went to Sydney College of the Arts in Roselle at the time um, mm-hmm. in 2002 to 2005 I think it was yeah.
0: and the journey of learning to be a photographer how, how did that go how, was it a, what sort of journey was that
1: Well, it was interesting because um, basically I I had an education background, as I said, so I used to run a lot of workshops. So what I did, um, the the course was more about arts and uh, I had to learn a, a lot about photography and the techniques of photography, but really I suppose it was a conceptual course and an artistic course rather than learning about photography per se. And so I went across the road because the Sydney Community College was there and I went across the road and I said, can I teach here? And, they <laughs> said, and, and and he asked me to explain something to him. I explained it pretty well. He understood what I said. And he said, sure, you can have a job. So I've been working for Sydney Community College for the last 15 years. And I started when I was a student at, at, at studying photography. So I kind of learned a lot as well as I was teaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was great because I was, I was obviously always a step ahead of my students. But um, at the same time, there were some curly questions every once in a while, which I knew nothing about. And I'd be, I'll come back to that next week um, and go home, frantically study and um, find out what that was all about so that was kind of fun um and that's that was part of the learning curve but i had the teaching background so i had i I had a a bachelor of arts in adult education pretty much
0: (laughs) yeah so all you were doing really was the, the skills you had in teaching you were transferring to practical knowledge and teaching someone So, yeah, and and that works really well. And I I love the fact that you're really learning on the job too. And it's about being honest with your students, about saying, well, you know, I'll come back to you on that and and learning it. I mean, I do that in my work all the time. (laughs) I'll come back to you on that. Uh, It's a strategy. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I'll come back to you on that. I actually don't know the answer or remember the answer to that. And um, I think that's really important. And it's
1: all just part of the future learning, isn't it? That's right. And it's good to know what you don't know. And people will show you that by asking little curly questions every once in a while. You're like, oh, maybe I do need to know this.
0: Or people <laughs> sit down and ask me all the time, can I talk to you about podcasting? And I go, yeah, really? <laughs> I'm learning as I go. And I'm changing my techniques all the time. But uh, yeah. So a project that you've been working on is called Sweet Sixteen. Yep. So, what prompted you to create Sweet 16?
1: So, it's Sweet 16 with a subtitle What Advice Would You Give Your 16 Year Old Self? And basically, I um, it was probably 2012, I <laughs> wanted to do a personal project, and I wanted to do a personal project which was about women in the world. Um, I actually was coming from a place of anger because I'd heard a statistic that one in three women would be um, sexually assaulted in her lifetime. And I thought that was disgusting. Um, and there was a, that was from One Billion Rising. And I don't know if you're familiar with Eve Ensler of the uh, Vagina Monologues. She wrote that play and um, she, she started One Billion Rising and basically on Valentine's Day I think in 2012 there was a dance in the local area in in, sorry hills and 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 women around the world on Valentine's Day and community were gathering together and dancing to raise awareness about the fact that women and girls are still um, being assaulted and I wanted to do something that was a little bit positive but mm-hmm. wanting to be representative of all of the different age groups, and I'm like, how on earth can I do this? <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to bring together, you know, I, I'm very socially um, minded, social um, justice and um, and equity. So that that, you know, this was what was driving me. And. Um, I I sat with a lot of different ideas of of what I could do in photography to, to raise some form of awareness that was positive about the contribution of women in society and speak to all ages. It was pretty tough to come up with anything and a whole lot of things hit the cutting room floor, as it were. Yeah. And um and I'd watched a little video which was um about people and their who'd survived melanoma. And they were telling themselves what, when they were younger what they would have done. So (laughs) I went, that is it. (laughs) That's that's the little nugget. Let's have a look and see where we were when we were younger and where we are now. And so that kind of like um, is an intergenerational um, loop. And we can still talk about young people today and um, different generations can look. when they were 16 and share some of that information and see where that life journey has taken them. I thought it was quite interesting and it it took off.
0: (laughs) Well, I I love the idea and, um, you know, some of the things that I'd tell my sweet 16-year-old self, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, she could do with a lot of lessons and a lot of love and care, a bit Mm. of TLC uh, and looking from someone who's now 64 who Mm -hmm. yeah there's some great advice I would give her (laughs) maybe you could be in the second edition (laughs) I'd love to be I I, I think one of them you said melanoma and you know I am I think they call me a type a skin type like I am the fairest of fair and I worked with a woman in the film industry years ago who said people like myself and her redheads Should never have come south of the Tropic of Cancer. Oh Um, my goodness, we should have stayed up there in the dark, in the you know, with up there in in Norway (laughs) (laughs) where the sun rarely shines. And, um, right, because I spent a lot of my life on the beach with Mm. baby oil slapped all over me, and Mm. um, it's you know, I've paid the price, um, Mm. with some. Mm. A lot of dollars spent at the skin specialist.
1: <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All the time well,
0: so, so yeah. So that's just one of the things I talk to my sweet sixteen itself about. You, you, you can't change the color of your skin by just going out into the sun. You're not going to
1: content. That's right.
0: Why older women?
1: I, I think because basically, what I was beginning to see. Is that women become less visible in society, and they're they're not consulted, um, and they're not valued. You know, um, women are becoming the biggest cohort of uh, homeless and running into uh, uh, troubles when in retirement. And obviously, as I'm getting older, I'm seeing more and more of that. Um, and and I just, yeah, I just thought women, older women, would be the best people to speak to because they've had experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they can, they, they, they've come to a point of um, acceptance in life, I suppose, and and a resilience, and they've had lots of experiences, and things have changed a lot. And this generation that I was talking to mostly were sixteen in the fifties and sixties. So that was like the, the sexual re- re- revolution. I can't say the word sometimes. <laughs> but, and, um, and, and so they were the starting point of that, of the, the real social change for women. Um, yes. Though not much changed for them in their lifetime as they were younger. And now, as they're older, um, uh, they're just ignored.
0: <laughs> you know, a lot of changes started to happen probably around the 60s and 70s, and I was talking to someone else recently about um, just the 60s and 70s and things like teenage pregnancy, for instance, and how it was just frowned upon and young women that found themselves pregnant were shipped out of home and into some sort of institution to have a child that never actually came back home with them.
1: Yeah, exactly. The children were taken away from them.
0: yeah probably a very hard thing for them to do they carry that with them through their lives and often for many of them it's a secret it's always a secret and yeah Yeah, those stories
1: are beginning to become on top being told now aren't they yeah
0: i imagine some of the women that you are talking to would have experienced these sort of things it yeah. certainly
1: knew of others that had. It's not really spoken about in the book, but mm-hmm. I do know um, that yes, that, that that was definitely part of uh, an experience, experiences. So, so the changes.
0: Yeah. I mean, gosh, you know, great times. I think growing up in the fifties and sixties, and then the seventies was, you know, so many changes happening so quickly, and it's just getting faster.
1: Yeah, it is, and it's interesting to kind of go through those. Changes and looking at them and seeing what different how different people experience them i suppose i I myself I was sixteen in like the eighties, and I was a very confused person I mean as a young woman, I had a lot more choices, I suppose than my mother, but my mother worked incredibly hard like at one point when we were kids, she had four jobs, <laughs> yeah super super hard and and but the choices I realized with the older women that I spoke to was. There wasn't, there wasn't many industries that they could enter into. There was um, education, secretarial, nursing and childcare. And lots of women weren't expected to go to college. And the minute they got uh, married, they were expected to quit their job. Yeah,
0: my mum was one of the first ones that um, she married in 1952 and she wasn't asked to quit her job. But, you know, I, she did, once she had children, she left her job. Yeah. and uh, didn't go back till I was about 12, which I must say I resented when she did go back because she wasn't there when I came home from school. But that, that was an adjustment thing for me. But, you know, it was unusual for mums to go back to work. They, they were home. It was probably yeah. in the late 60s, early 70s that women started mm-hmm. to go back to work mm-hmm. to support their families alongside yeah. their
1: husbands. Nowadays, women aren't even able to choose to have families often because they can't afford to not take the time off work, and um and, and we know that women are left have left superannuation as a, as a result of the gaps in their their career. Um, oh, absolutely! I, I, yeah, I yeah.
0: think that um, Different you know, women in superannuation, and you mentioned that earlier, older women are really struggling with the whole retirement. Yeah. thing even is like. How do I afford this? And there's a lot of women like myself who have gone through life single. We would have been called yep. the old maids, the old spinsters, which is a yeah, word I really too. hate. The bachelor was like, the bachelor it. was like, oh, he's a bachelor. It sounded all glamorous, but you say, oh, yeah. she's a spinster. It was like, well, what's wrong with her? It's <laughs> correct.
1: Yes, but there's always those double. Yeah, Yeah, but (laughs) don't get me started.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of women that I know. A lot of single women. Some of them are mums and but raise their children alone. yeah But I think a lot of these women are they've put everything into their children and raising healthy, great children. And financially, they're not in a in a good position for retirement. Is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. And and as someone I heard recently say, we you know women are going to continue having children, <laughs> we hope. Otherwise, yeah. that that's the end of the human race as, as we know it. I mean, maybe we don't need quite as many as we've got anyway. But that aside, we need to find a way to create a workplace which accommodates um, the the needs of families and um, women specifically. And I'm I'm a childless woman myself, and I'm. I'm happy with that, but if there needs to be a gap in uh, uh, in, in maternity when actually having the baby, but, you know, partners and uh, uh, fathers can take a role in uh, the sharing of the, the, the load, basically.
0: So how did you find the participants for Sweet 16?
1: Um, they came from a variety of sources, but the first person that I spoke to was my friend charlie aaron so she's the first person in the book and she was a colleague from when i was working here in in family planning so i worked at family planning in in nashville um many years ago in the youth team and uh, charlie was the graphic designer so she she's also an artist so i thought and she just turned 60 so i I went and spoke to her and said what do you think of this idea and uh, she said I think I think that's pretty good I like it and I said next question was and would you sit for me and she's like yes <laughs> so she was my first interview and um we kind of like went through all the questions that I had and um so you know she she helped me to um identify areas that that were of interest you know to the age group I suppose mm-hmm. and um introduced me to other people that might might have been interested in being a uh, participant's I then put shout-outs at different places um, and different networks that I was in, and I got asked to go to a Zonta meeting at one point to take some photographs of uh, one of the voluntary, um, the Breast Care Cushions days. So I went along to that, started talking to people there about um, the project, um, and uh, they then went and said, well, well, we'll find people for you to be involved. And uh, one of the women from that group, Is in my book as well, Mary Jane, and I joined Zonta. (laughs) What is Zonta? uh, Zonta is a charity for the advancement of women and girls. So that was right up my alley. Okay, (laughs) it's an yeah, it's an international charity, and it's it's advocacy, education, welfare, uh, supporting women and girls in education, um, healthcare. We do local and international. Uh, fundraising events and um, and projects so the breast care cushions is one of the local projects that we do yep. so breast care cushions are for women and men that have had mammograms and come out of surgery it's really uncomfortable when you've got a scar and you've got a bra to put on or a seat belt so if yep. you've got a cushion to put underneath then it, it really helps oh, with interesting that. I, um,
0: yeah. so is it z-o-n-t-a yeah. yes
1: oh a, never heard of it it's an it started in America. It's a hundred years old last year, um, and the, it's it's global. Oh, yes. so I'm, I'd love to get more information out about that for sure. Yeah, it's,
0: well, it's a, I it's don't know where guy. I've been, but I haven't heard about it. So,
1: um, yeah, we don't do the best in marketing, unfortunately. <laughs> so, what
0: surprised you about the women's stories?
1: Um, I suppose the biggest surprises were really about the reflection for myself <laughs> and how it made me more um, empathetic in some regards um, to the journeys of others before me, and particularly my mother and my grandmother and their relationship and then my relationship with my mother, um, and recognising, yeah, we're all on this journey, we all struggle. Um, not that I hadn't really thought of those things, I suppose, before, but coming through the stories of the ladies, there was so much resilience um, and courage, and and these women were so um, de- determined and and really educated. So you know, there's there's they just got on with things. So some some experienced domestic violence, they'd experienced um, abuse in their childhood. Um, and I don't necessarily identify the people in the in the book, but um, um, but the, the the resilience and the self knowledge was was really strong, really really mm. strong. Um, and I suppose there was that contingency fr- throughout. Um, so it, it was quite it was quite lovely.
0: Yeah. Well, resilience is a word. That applies, mm-hmm. I think, to a lot of women,
1: and you mm-hmm. know,
0: it's it's a, it's a very it's very powerful to be resilient, you know. It's, yeah, um,
1: but they have to put up with so much. There's a lot of pressure on women. I mean, because especially that they are working, they are looking after children, they are looking after um, parents or have in the past, and um, and 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 they, they get every every era brings its own challenge and then on top of that we've got the social um expectations of being and being seen to be a particular way and we've got such conflicting um ideas you know of the of the being vivacious or being beautiful or being um uh the, the carer and then mm. we when we step out and, and some of them really conflict these these ideas um yeah. And and, and and so it, it's quite difficult to navigate that space, I think
0: <laughs> navigating all of that can be really difficult. What do you want the work to do like who's it for?
1: I must admit i find I find this question really difficult because I want to speak to everybody <laughs> yeah. I intended to speak to everybody, and um I know that um it, it has a place because it's a story, and people resonate with stories um and, and we can tap into the humanity of somebody's struggles, whether we are the same as them or not. If they've gone through a journey, let's say we were talking earlier about um, a teenage pregnancy or adoption, you know, you could be on any side of that um, equation. You may have been adopted. You may have had uh, adopted people in your family. Um, you can relate to something somewhere you will know somebody somewhere that has had some form of experience similar to other people's and i was quite surprised at the number of men that came to my exhibition when it was an exhibition and that enjoy it and when i speak to people about the project the way that men's faces light up i don't i wouldn't have imagined that that was a surprise i suppose i wouldn't have imagined that and their faces light up and they go oh that sounds really interesting and I'm thinking oh wow that's good (laughs) I really enjoy enjoy that and younger ones enjoy it too you know I I kind of think oh it's going to be older women that really resonate obviously because it's speaking about them um, and 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 there's more similarities and and, and the shared story I suppose of living in that era or being a woman and having the experiences of family and etc but it does it, it kind of crosses notions uh, and genders exactly and i wanted to do something that was intergenerational basically because i think we really do need to open the door and stop dissecting segments of society we inter we interact we into we're interlaced we are not an island <laughs> mm. as as they say no man is an island or no person is an island we have interactions constantly across the ages we don't just in, exist in isolation of groups and, and and the intersect is where it's interesting because we're slightly different but we have a shared humanity at the end of it.
0: I do find these days, like I have a lot of younger friends and I, oh. I was talking to a group of women recently, another, an interview that's coming up, and that group of women has a lot of girls in their 20s and 30s and a oh. lot of women's women in their 50s 60s 70s and how they how they are just a group and they have so much in common and how they support one another um and you know i think these days a lot of my friends are are, i am much younger than me and they're friends they ring up and say can we go out for a drink tonight can we meet for a coffee and i love that because when we get together we're just friends i'm not yeah I'm yeah. not Karen who's sixty four and she's not Vicky who's forty two or yeah. you know so yeah. and so that's thirty one It would be friends yeah, and
1: I think that's I think that's the thing as well actually it just made me think about was that i mean I know that when I was growing up and um i I felt the competitive nature of being a young woman and um the uh, insecurities that that created. And the competitiveness toward other women um, and, and obviously being older now, I don't have any of that and I really love it. And I, what I'm seeing now with younger people as well is that competitiveness isn't so strong anymore. We're not, and, and it's lovely that you have those friendships because, and I do too, I have younger friends and I have older friends, you know, I have friends in their 80s and uh, yeah, yeah, their I mean, 30s. It's good. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, we don't have to compete. We don't have to compare. We don't have to say your life was better than my life. And it's like we all, we all, we all live. <laughs> yeah. And, and and we can support each other. And you can learn things from young people, and young people can learn things from older people. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that that when we try to set one group against the others, the boomers against the, the generation X or whatever, the, and the millennials, when we talk in these generalizations, we we do an injustice to us all. Not not just to those groups
0: yeah common themes from the stories
1: um i think as i mentioned before was the resilience was the common theme Um, and i think a a, a level of um personal acceptance of the journey Mm -hmm. of life Mm. and, and and a happiness and a contentment in that there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of uh, resentment, or uh, of it. there were. There were times, I suppose, with some people that things hadn't gone well sure. <laughs> and were difficult. But the navigating of those um, issues made them stronger.
0: This project, Sweet Sixteen. Why has it been so important to you?
1: I think for my whole life, <laughs> I've been really, really. Um, Aware of the injustices that exist in society as a whole, um, and that started
0: from your work in the UK as a youth worker.
1: I think it started before I was a youth worker, and youth worker you, being a youth worker then kind of I, I found the space where I belonged. It was all about people reaching their potential and feeling comfortable and confident in their life. And for me, I was as a early in my early career as a youth worker. I was going through my own journey and trying to reconcile my own issues of trying to fit in, finding my place and being confident. I was a very non-confident person and found criticism really difficult to handle and and yeah, it just didn't, didn't feel like I fit in the world. But by working with other people as well, I, I learned a lot. I had some great mentors and supervisors. That saw things in me that I didn't see in myself, and propelled me on a journey. And I just thought everyone should have that opportunity, basically. And it's a really good thing if we can respect each other. Yeah. I, you know, I always, I always was a person that would be speaking up against racism, or against sexism. I was probably a bit boring, but um, <laughs> whenever anyone said said anything, I was like, hey no (laughs) that's not okay I still do but I I probably do it a bit more nicely I think that
0: especially when we're younger I I relate back to my own life and I I do talk about my own life Mm -hmm. quite a bit because Mm -hmm. just battles I had with in in growing up and we often feel like we're an island and that we're the only one that this is happening to and that you're not good enough, and no yeah. one else feels like this. And you know, I, I'm relating back to what I would tell my my own sweet sixteen yeah, that yeah. this is okay. Other people mightn't speak about it. Yeah, and we weren't allowed to speak about it then. It was sort of like you don't talk about mental health or whatever issues yeah. that you're having. You close yeah. it down behind closed yeah. doors. And I, I was just thinking. That, that it's important to me to get out that, you know, telling someone that's much younger that you're not an island, that this right. happens to everybody. They just don't always talk about it.
1: That's right. That's right. Human. Human. And especially today as well when we're showing just kind of the best side of ourselves on Instagram or Facebook and telling the happy stories constantly. So, yeah, you can feel a little bit alone in the um, anguish that we go through. And, of course, at 16 there's a lot of anguish. I mean, all those hormones, um, we don't know that, that sort's, that's ticking, but we're, we're getting to we're becoming independent and those ties, that that we're kind of adrift from our parents and and our peers and trying to find our space. And there's a hell of a lot of anguish in that s- situation. Yeah. Um, and so it is quite cathartic to to take a look back and say to that child, hey, it's okay. You 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 are perfectly okay and you are not alone. Absolutely.
0: So in my interviewing of people, I find the same theme comes out a lot, that we're, we need to be able to tell ourselves that we are okay. And, you know, this is just now. There's, there's a lot going to happen in the future. And you will be okay, just trust me. It's like yes. looking back, you will be okay.
1: Yeah. It's, and I always, I always think, well, in 100 years' time will this matter?
0: <laughs> hey, tomorrow will it matter? <laughs>
1: But there is that too. I mean, if you want to take a long view or a short view, whichever. It's true. Yeah. It
0: doesn't matter, does it? I can't even remember what I was doing last week. Half the time, <laughs> well, half the time I can't remember what I did the next day, the day before. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it doesn't. You know, I think that's um,
1: yeah,
0: it's really important to be able to 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 help younger people too to know that it will be okay. This is just yeah. now. Yeah, you know don't don't look too far forward
1: no and of course it's such a difficult time isn't it at 16 here in australia the 16 year olds are selecting the hsc um project or 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 something else and this is your life get it right now yeah i know and it's (laughs) so that so that's quite a pressure i can imagine that would be quite a pressure i didn't have that so
0: You know, the pressure of, you know, you've got to do well in your HSC and I think, Mm -hmm. well, I didn't do particularly well in my HSC. Has it mattered? No, not really. I bumbled along and got there and I'm proud of what I've done. Can you give us some idea about the style of the book, photographs, stories? How does it work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There is an introduction to each woman, as when she was 16 so basically i've got a little picture of when she was 16 if i had one available which was fabulous um or as close to 16 that when she when she was 16 and then there's a summary of where she lived, who she lived with, what she was planning in life, what she wanted out of life and what kind of work she had done. And then on the next page is the portrait that I created with her. And usually I would do it after the interview. That was the best way I kind of get to know the person and then would do the photograph afterwards. So I kind of feel like I've got more of an understanding of who she is and where we should actually take the photo and we usually took the photo in the home or a place that was relevant to to her um, so yes yeah, so then the, so we have the the when she was 16 the next page the quote and her photograph basically
0: oh so. it sounds amazing so the oldest woman
1: that you mm-hmm. interviewed she was 85 at the time and she she was 16 in 1944 Mm-hmm. Which was just incredible to hear, hear her story. I spent three, three hours with her. <laughs> she was a lovely lady, um, Doris Hart. She was in the Midlands in the UK, and so it was the middle of the war, basically. Yeah, yeah. and um, oh wow, it was incredible the stories that she told about. You know, the the, the they were in the middle of the Blitz. They had to run to sh- uh, bomb shelters and it was a pretty scary time but she that sounded very very stoic and her parents were very stoic and they were quite christian um so it was like well if it's your time it's your time if it's not it's not there's nothing you can do about it um so just get on and be you now and there were children in those class that didn't survive you know so it was pretty harsh and she was a wonderful lady she worked in pediatrics and in uh, hospital administration in terms of uh structure of uh, hospitals and how they work so yeah it's amazing amazing and, and the youngest person you interviewed for the- had, had just turned 60
0: <laughs> oh so that was your friend
1: no um, she was about 61 by the time i we got round to everything so i think she but no the uh the other lady was like literally is a one week into being 60 so um and that was elizabeth and she was um uh and she was a primary school teacher and and yeah, she has some interesting things to say as well about growing up and 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 as we've spoken about sort of like the mistakes that you might make as a kid and sort of like things you can get over yeah um, Yeah, and and, and parenting and and parents and the the relationship with her parents. So that was quite interesting.
0: Um, Yeah. It it just sounds amazing. So I I am going to have to get hold of a copy and and have a real squiz at it. So, Eve, this has been a really big project. It's ambitious. What would you say to someone else that has a project in mind? What advice would you give them?
1: ah great question (laughs) i like that (laughs) Um, i i would say um uh, you've got to kind of nut it out i really did have some great sounding boards with my project Mm -hmm. and i got some really good support which i didn't expect um from uh, places i didn't expect basically um but if it's a photographic project Speak to other photographic people who have um, done work in the, uh, not in your area necessarily, but in an, in an area of photography and seek their advice and support because they will be a, a strong um, support system. And make it as simple as you can. You know, I what I found with my, with, like I said, I went through a big, period of kind of throwing ideas together and i came up with these different portraits because like i said i wanted it to be a portrait and of women and then i'm like well what am i trying to say and why and so you really kind of like have to nut those things out but then it kind of like evolves anyway and you get the you get the nugget of what it is you want and then it simplifies and you have to kind of, like, take some things away sometimes, which just don't fit because it overcomplicates the, the story. Yeah, um, So it's all about editing as well. <laughs> yeah. oh, Editing's good. Yes, I know. Putting a
0: book together is not an easy thing to do, Believe You, you know that. Well,
1: I know you've gone through
0: that. Oh, I've gone through it. And I, I think second time round, maybe one day, I will again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's mm-hmm. so time-consuming. Uh, it's all yeah. consuming. That you you do have yeah. to um, you have to have your your head in the right space to do it, and uh, and allow that time. Because I know there was many nights that I locked myself into the spare room at my computer at two in the morning, tapping away. Wow. Um, just to get the content. But then it's, it's yeah. after the content, then it, it's not easy. <laughs> it's
1: a long project. No. But I, I think I was lucky. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say I think I was lucky because mine's mostly pictures. I don't have a lot of words.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, so, but I think, you know, any project that if you're passionate about it, it's worth doing and don't be put right. off by, by um, what might appear to be a difficult task ahead, it's well worth it in the long yeah. run. Um, the satisfaction it brings to you totally with, you know and to other people and you know i just i just think you've got it you've just got to do it yeah, yeah. I, can, I can i will watch me is a, a quote i i like hmm. that i've coined together for myself and it's yeah i can do this and i will just watch me love it and um, love it. you know <laughs> that, that's advice that i would give to someone so just do it
1: yeah and i like that that's great absolutely just do it
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for your time today i know that sweet 16 has been for your wonderful project and will be for the people that purchase the book and actually can see the work that you've done and i think we all should have a little chat to our sweet 16 year old self yeah (laughs) eve thank you so much for coming on my podcast today my radio program it's people like you that bring so much joy and pleasure to my listeners so yeah it's been great to get to know you thank you
1: an absolute pleasure Karen thank you for having me it's been wonderful too I really enjoy talking about this project <laughs> yeah well when you when you love
0: something and I can hear it in your words it's a great thing that you're sharing with everybody so thank you thank you So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Ageing Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside There's
2: a sparkle in your eye It's not all 95, it's a wonderful light Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across ocean.